Chicas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus as we show you some beautiful, pristine images of Altumama Stadium, where just moments ago, the United States wrapped up a 1-0 victory over Iran, one which will see them through Hercules Gomez to the round of 16. The so-called wow. golden generation has delivered. What a moment. Sansusi always looks over CONCACAF. What a moment. What a game. What a performance. I mean, everybody out there, we've got Argentines, we've got people from Lebanon, we've got people from Saudi Arabia, we've got people from Mexico, we've got English people. They're all cheering the U.S. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was something crazy. They really enjoy the way this team plays. Um, we talked a lot about your experience watching me suffer through a Mexico game, my experience watching you suffer through a U.S. game. Boy, you, you try to play the journalist part, and you do it really well. But there is some part of you that still rocks the I jersey. I think I'm a coach is my problem. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's not so much that I'm suffering that I like, hope they win. I'm, I'm thinking, like, if I was a coach, what's going on? And it drives me nuts sometimes. But yeah. I'm not. Uh, well, we got a lot coming up on this show. Of course, we're going to focus mostly on the United States and Iran, this incredible game that just wrapped up. Alexis Nunez is going to join us live from outside Altumama Stadium. We'll get some context from her of what it was like inside the stadium. She was there also maybe talking to some fans. We're also going to hear from Casey Keller. He, of course, was a part uh, of the team, played in four World Cups, a part of four World Cup squads. Legend. You'll have some incredible, Legend. incredible perspective to share on what this means to American soccer. And of course, we will be looking ahead to Mexico against Saudi Arabia. A must win for L3, a must win. Can you hear the, the Saudi Arabia help. fans right now? They've yes. not stopped. This is going on for like five straight hours. It's we are, insane. We are, you know, Saudi House is right next door. 100 feet from Saudi House, and uh, I think you could probably hear them bleeding through on the audio. So let's get to it. The game as the United States uh, advances past Iran, one nothing. The goal, of course, coming from none other than the man we have all dubbed Captain America himself, Christian Pulisic, a heroic effort late in the first half, one that ultimately cost him his spot on the field. Uh, he was a sub at 45 minutes for Brendan Aronson. Uh, Herc, your first thoughts on the 90 minutes that we just witnessed and really what those 90 minutes mean, which is that this U.S. team is through to the round of 16. The overall 90 minutes was close to brilliant. Mm -hmm. There were a few lapses here and there where I thought it was shaky, but if you're talking about an overall performance, Sans, I would say the last 10 minutes, well, yeah. last 19 minutes, if you go with the nine minutes of stoppage time where I felt maybe the wrong decision and personnel was made, the wrong posture, the wrong message was sent, it was pretty brilliant. Now, I've had plenty of doubts about this generation and their toughness. I went as far as called them soft. You soft call because them soft. of the national team coach, Greg Berhalter. They really struggled to play against physical teams. That was the MO. We saw it against Wales. Everybody had said, well, Iran's going to come in in a low block. They're going to make it difficult. Iran didn't come in in a low block. They played in the mid block to press them, and they made it difficult in how physical they were. But I saw a U.S. men's national team that was not only up for the challenge, but embraced it. I saw a different side of the U.S. men's national team today that I've not seen before. And to say I was pleasantly surpri surprised and impressed would be an understatement. I thought there were some big-time performances today. They get through the group. They get through the group second. Going to match up with Netherlands. We'll talk about that later. But just as we look at this tournament, we look at the expectations coming in, we acknowledge the fact that the United States missed the last World Cup. This tournament now becomes a resounding success, doesn't it? Of course. Of course. What was the expectation for these players? Get through. Get through. Mm -hmm. Get through. And even then, you were like, all right, how do we measure that if they don't get through? 2026 has always been the goal for everybody when you look at this roster. I disagree there. Well, I, I, don't think you don't you I don't think you overlook a World Cup. No, I think maybe no, fans no, might have no, been no, thinking no, that, no. hey, they could do okay here and it'll be great in 2026. Maybe that's the deep run. Well, this it, is a World Cup right now. Then I think what we you're have doing is overlooking this. the competition if you expect a bunch of kids to come and steamroll players that have played in multiple World Cups. What I'm saying is this team with no prior World Cup experience, who's the only experienced player here? Uh, in terms of World Cup, DeAndre Yedlin is the only player to have played One in World, World Cup. Has he played States? a minute? No. No. Zero World Has Cups. No, he's not played. Okay. Coming into this, and yet they look like a seasoned team. I'm telling you, when you talk to people about this U.S. men's national team, there are verbs being thrown around that we've not heard in 18 months mm. when it comes to them. And Greg Berhalter. They talk about how well coached this team is, how work, trabajado. Mm -hmm. 
how drilled it is, how fast, dynamic, how exciting they are. The young potential group and everybody, everybody. We're still at a World Cup, but they all say, wow, 2026. What that, what's that going to be like for the U.S. men's national team? You use the word seasoned, which I think you know is another way to say you, you saw this team kind of grow up, become yeah. experienced. Would you apply that to the, the whole of the group phase, or are you saying that now based on what they did today against Iran in a, in a match, a situation that we know was just loaded no, with tension? whole of the group phase. Okay. Yeah, because we saw them versus Wells, mm -hmm. uh, dominant 45, and then they got shelled. Mm -hmm. And then the reaction was a dominant 90 versus right. one of the tournament favorites. And then another reaction versus a very difficult Iran team who was playing with lots of emotions, reports that um, family members being threatened back home. You could only imagine what it must be like to play in a game of that magnitude, that tension. We saw it in the presser, just how highly charged politically that was, mm -hmm. emotional for both teams. It's not an easy game to play in, Seb. Yeah. It's not. I'm sure we're going to talk to Casey. He's going to tell us all about that. But I saw maturation of this team throughout this tournament. Those 45 minutes versus Wells were a learning experience. When you fail, it has to be a learning experience. Mm -hmm. So you don't fall that way again. I, I saw a very well-worked team from that failure, from those 45 minutes. So yes, a seasoned in that sense throughout the group phase. This tournament and specifically this setup right here reminded me so much of your World Cup, of the 2010 World Cup. There's the two draws to start group phase, yeah. one of them against a, a heavily favored England side, and you come into a last game where you could either finish, I mean, it was still on the table to finish first in the group uh, or potentially last out of the tournament, right? A total disaster. And if we go back to the 2010 World Cup against Algeria, Right before Landon Donovan and Go Go USA, Algeria has a great chance, right. which would have made it's it one nothing. From Tim Howard, it goes the opposite end, and could have sent you guys crashing out of the tournament. We have to acknowledge the narrow margins here, right? Because yes. we're going to talk later. We're going to grade Greg Berhalter's group phase. We gave him a grade, but that grade would have changed dramatically if Iran gets a goal yeah. in the last ten minutes, and they did come very close. There was a couple uh, half chances and, and opportunities where I think maybe had Iran been. More clinical? Yes. Even clinical at all, like just to put it on frame. They had chances where there were guys open and they didn't make Matt turn Agreed. to work. Had they, we might be singing a very different tune. And it goes to show you not just the thin margins in international soccer, but the thin margins of success and failure. We, we've spoken about it Iran, before. Iran scores. This is an unmitigated well, failure, right? Well, except think about this. We, the, the margins for success and failure, when we talk about the greatest moment in modern history for U.S. soccer is 2002. They were 1-1-1 one, one, one yes. in group yeah. play. Yeah. Poland in the last game smacked them around. Yeah. They only got into the next round to face Mexico because South Korea helped them with Portugal. And then they get into the next round as a CONCACAF team, and then they're a handball away from going to a semifinal. So it's so slim. Let me throw some flowers in my group, 2010, okay. since you brought it up. <laughs> you know what the difference is, and here's my worry? What? That 2010 team was 0-2 down at halftime for Slovenia. Slovenia. This team, this U.S. men's national team, and we tied that game. The first team in World Cup history not to lose a game down 0-2, okay? We should have won, by the way. Moadu, shout out, does a goal. Yep. This team has not been smashed. It's not been hit in the face hard enough. And what I mean you is... You don't even count that second half against Wales? No, what okay. I mean is they've not been scored on first. They've not been down. Yes. You don't know if this team has rally in them is what you're saying. Well, I think they got rally in them from what I've seen. The, the, from the, the counter to but, that but, is they never let themselves get behind, and that's a good quality it to is, have. It is, but there's... There's a level of psyche that right. gets brought into this when you find yourself down. A sinking feeling. Mm -hmm. How do you react from that? That's the only thing I think this 2010 team can hold over them because okay. talent level, I mean, you look at where these players play. You look at how they play right now because they're playing a very good brand. They're so fast. They're so dynamic. They're so... I mean, it's one, two, three touches in the opposing end. Technical. Uh, I think the... Central defense has been yeah. brilliant. It's Let's been insane. To me. It blows my mind how good they've been centrally with the two center uh, backs and Tyler Adams, like that trio right there. And then if you go off Musa, who's not even shown us the standard Musa trait, mm -hmm. driving the ball, but he's been an animal there. Mm -hmm. There was I mean, a great his, challenge his in the first work rate's half. Been he comes unreal. from behind and I've wins it. I've not seen that yeah. work rate all World Cup qualifying. I've seen other traits of his, and I'm still waiting for those to come out to be exploited, but he's been so good. Let's break down the, the American performance specifically against Iran. For you, what is the key, the, the most important key to victory tonight? It's how dynamic they were. Um, and, and with that being dynamic, there's an intensity and a speed that comes to it, that comes with it, excuse me. Uh, we talked about them matching the emotion, matching the intensity. They set 
the intensity. They set the tone as far as rhythm. They set the tone as far as speed of play. And I thought uh, Iran uh, really struggled with that at times. And listen, an Iran that everybody thought would sit back, that wasn't the case. They were more of a mid-block because they wanted those chances against the U.S. They wanted the U.S. to lose the ball higher up the field. That didn't happen. And then the U.S. got opportunities in transition like I told you they would. Yeah. They just didn't take advantage of it. I mean, there was a Timothy Way a goal second half. They got called back, rightfully so. Yeah, late but in you the first can, half. Late in the you first can half, see yeah. them testing them, testing that back line, testing the spaces. Uh, you know, it was a brilliant display at times. Learning moments that they will have to get better at. There's a chance at, at the end where there was a possible penalty kick. Um, Would you say it's the best they've played in this World Cup? Yes, I would. Yes, yes. Over yes. England. Well, over the because first half I factor I factor the opponent when it comes to England, right? right? Right. But if you're talking about just the general play, yeah. it, it was a it was the best game by far. You know, I think the big story in terms of for me what the, what the real key here is is how this team, a very young team, managed the emotions of this game. Yeah. And specifically, why I bring that up is because something Greg Berhalter talked about in the press conference the other day, having watched that game in 1998. And if you go back to that game, you get the sense that one team was really up for it, Iran, and the American team kind of shrunk in that moment. And I think clearly, if Greg Berhalter's telling us to press that, he's sharing that with his team. Then we throw all of the stuff all of the extra stuff that happened in, in the couple days before this game. There was a lot of tension, probably a lot of nerves within this U.S. locker room. And what I saw was a team that was ready, but not too hot, right? In a game like this, I could absolutely see you being like, I'm so jacked up, I'm going to make a mistake early. Uh, and instead, this team rode that fine line of being absolutely buzzing without going over the top and causing themselves problems. I want to pick my words wisely here. Mm -hmm. Um, that 1998 team had its own set of problems yes. before meeting Iran. Yes. You can read about it on ESPN.com. There's an oral history. Jeff Carlisle uh, helped write it. And yeah, I recommend, I recommend yeah. you check it out. Um, there's a lot to detail there. That but I said, think, just, just really quick, that Iran-USA game also had a lot of political tension around it. And I think what, the Iranians which is what I'm, which is what rode that and the Americans didn't. That said, and I'm sure Casey can explain this better than anyone else, I don't know if they grasp the magnitude, the players, mm. of what was going on. Now, I go back to the presser yesterday, and I go back to Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams understood the moment. Mm -hmm. Tyler Adams is the youngest captain in this World Cup, not by a year, not by two, almost by like six, seven years. And he spoke like an individual who knew exactly what he was getting into, who knew, understood the exact moment. I think that is contagious. These players themselves immerse themselves in the situation. They've bought in to the cause. And when I mean the cause, it's not just we're playing a game. It's they know exactly where they are. They know exactly what's going on. And their input has been tremendous. And then when I say input, it's what they tell us, but also what they show us. Mm. Let's get to the moment of the match. I think it's a pretty easy choice here. There were some controversial plays, maybe late in the game from an Iranian perspective. But it's that Christian Pulisic goal, yeah. 38th minute. It's a brilliant Pulisic finish. We can talk about his role in it. But that's not where the play starts, Herc. It's really a beautiful buildup that ends in a fantastic finish. Yeah, it's Weston McKinney's who didn't have the greatest game, if we're being honest. Okay. I thought he was a little yeah, imprecise. At some point in the first half, you looked at me and you were like, Weston's struggling. Weston's yeah, struggling. and that could be fitness issues. We know how important fitness is for any player, especially Weston McKinney. Uh, but the ball is brilliant. He finds Serginho Dest on the right-hand side. Serginho Dest oftentimes tries to do a little too much. He was aware of the moment right back across the goal with his head. Um, and Christian Pulisic is closing in that back door. He's right where he needs to be. Takes a shot. Yes. Could be to the chest. Could be the head. We don't know. But after that, he wasn't the same. He wasn't a spry. And you can tell they were just trying to get him in through half uh, so his substitute can have a proper warm-up and then come on, which was the case. But without a doubt, the game-changing moment. So they were already on top of Iran. But once that goal came, you felt like it was there for the taking. You felt like number two or three can come in and it's game blouses. I mean, for me... If Christian Pulisic is the poster boy, this is his poster moment, right? This is, this is the moment he needed. He's been so close. He gets the assist to Tim Way in the first game. It's the crossbar off, off the middle of the crossbar against England. He's been knocking at the door. And this goal is a goal that, yes, it's a, it's a brilliant ball wide from McKinney. It's a brilliant header across. But this is down to Christian Pulisic's hustle. I mean, it is a burning run into the middle. He sacrifices his body because he knows it has to be a goal. And I think Christian Pulisic also knows it had to come from him. 
And I think this is just something that will take his status in terms of American soccer fans. You've always said it's until you do it with a national team. Dempsey, Donovan, Pulisic's I now. Said that. He's there. He's there. How many he did goal, it. How many this goals, is his moment. How many goals do the U.S. men's national have? Two. Who's been involved in both goals? Goal and an assist for Pulisic. Goal and an assist. This man is putting things on his shoulders. He's tired about. He's tired of hearing the rhetoric. He's trying to hear the narrative of the English Premier League that he's not ready, that he's a two-bit player, that he's a role player. Uh -huh. He understands the situation at Chelsea. He wants more, and he's playing like a man possessed. He's been one of the best players for the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, and to be fair, he was buzzing right from the get-go. Actually, yeah. I think when we talk about the emotions of this game, if you go back, and I've got it written down here, the first 90 seconds, Christian Pulisic makes like a 40-yard run on the ball, and you're like, oh, okay, he's up for it. Beyond that, Tyler Adams had a big defensive clearance 30 seconds in on a set piece. Like, the guys you needed to have big performances were ready right from the jump. And, and I think Pulisic today, even though it's only 45 minutes, he may as well have played 90. That's the impact that he had on this match. How many times have we mentioned Matt Turner? Not a lot. There's a reason for that. And it's yep. not just a defensive he line. He was busy in, in, in moments tonight. Was he? Was busy? he? No, busy is not the right word. But he could have been busy again if, had Iran put those shots on target. But was he? Because almost, almost doesn't cut it in life. Okay, that's not going to get you everything you want. But what you, your point but is what that Turner, Turner wasn't busy because of the guys in front of him. I think the guys in front of him made not, a, there not was a couple a, moments today fine, where they got fine, beat. But there's a couple moments for every national team okay. in the world. Okay. okay. Brazil versus uh, Switzerland. Did you watch that? Yes. Okay. Brazil's a favorite, by the way. What I'm trying to tell you is Matt Turner was not busy because of the guys in front of him. I'm not talking the back line. This is an effort of the whole team. Okay. It's a full 10 in front of you plus the goalkeeper. He's not been busy all tournament because of the front line and how they pressure, because of the midfield and how they are tremendous in transition, offense and defensively. How much ground Tyler Adams has covered. Tyler Adams is going to cover every single country <laughs> in kilometers by the time he finishes his World Cup. Yeah. He, and he was carrying a yellow. You know how... You know how he high picked your, up an, an early yellow, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know how high your game IQ has to be if you're a defensive midfielder to not – I was going to say foul out. But it's essentially yeah. that's what you're doing. I got the second yellow and to go out yeah. to be red carded. I mean, but still get the same intensity every single time, not hold off, not put your foot off the accelerator. That is Tyler Adams. It's a complete shift by everybody, and that's what makes Matt Turner – not a discussion for us. Mm -hmm. We're not going to talk about Matt Turner because he had no work. Why? Because that team puts in a ship, but they put in a ship on both sides of the ball. They're so difficult to play against right now. If you usually watch our show, you know we have kind of a book it segment. Right. Uh, Christian Pulisic was plus 250 anytime score today, plus 600 first, uh, first to score. Tyler Adams was plus 330 to get a yellow card in this game. Which one I, did you cash in? I know some people Which who might have hammered both in? of those. I know some people that might have uh, hammered both of those. Let's get to the U.S. Men's National Team 11 that Greg Berhalter chose tonight against Iran because there were a couple surprises. Uh, one's maybe not a surprise, seeing Josh Sargent back in the 11 up top, though it was a change from what we saw in the game right. against England. Expect that was though, Haji right? Wright. The big surprise, I think, is Cameron Carter-Vickers dropped into the middle of that defense uh, in place of Walker Zimmerman. What did you make of the lineup? Not now in hindsight, Herc, when you first saw it. I thought it was risky. Not Josh Sargent, because that's who I picked to play the nine right there in this game, but Cameron Carter-Vickers, because you're taking off Walker Zimmerman, who had your highest pass completion of the last two games, and honestly, sans the penalty kick, I thought was fine. Uh, and wait, wait. I know you're going to lean on that stat, but there was some there was some bad and potentially very dangerous missed passes against England. We have to acknowledge that. You didn't want to take Zimmerman. out Weston for that. I think Weston so, and Walker Zimmerman are different levels. Oh, okay. All right. You disagree? So, please. I'm not I'm not comparing him in that level. You are. And I'm I think the drop you. from Weston to the next guy is much more significant than the drop well, from Zimmerman well, to the next talk guy, about, as we saw tonight. Let's talk about the drop. No, you can't just as we saw tonight because you're asking me to rate it when it comes out, not after. Okay, so don't throw that one there. Okay, not as we saw tonight. Cameron Carter-Vickers <laughs> is a center back. Yeah, don't do that. Cameron Carter-Vickers is a center back who's played how much with Greg Berhalter? So in World Cup qualifying, Walker Zimmerman had played 814 minutes. Cameron Carter-Vickers had played zero. Zero. Uh, what a risk. Before this tournament starts, if you had to put CB1, who was it? Walker Zimmerman. Okay. So Cameron Vickers getting no minutes and really being nobody at work with this U.S. Men's National Team, uh, that's a risky move. Mm -hmm. It paid off for Greg Verhalter because he was brilliant. He was as advertised. Everything. I thought he was – I mean, Tim Ream has been a rock. Yeah. 
I thought Cameron Carter Vickers was better today. Really? Yes, okay. he was so strong on the ball. <laughs> My man gave uh, the Iranian forward, uh, Iranian forward, excuse me, uh, a dead leg just by how he held the ball off. He's so strong. Uh, I thought he was very good with the ball at his feet. Is, is he was always attentive. The only thing we could probably knock is like, don't give the reason. Don't give a. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Do not give the referee a reason to call Eighth something. Eight minute of extra time. Was that a penalty for you? No, not enough. But you, you. But we've seen this call before. Don't give him a reason to call anything. Especially in the era uh, of VAR. Yes. Just real quick. Is there any? We're assuming Walker Zimmerman's healthy because he's on the bench. He was available. He comes into he the, comes game. In the game. Is there anything CCV does better than Walker Zimmerman? Like why? Why point, was he the fit today? To your yeah, point. Yeah. He, he, wasn't shaky at all with the ball, mm. and he was very good defensively, and he didn't create any mistakes, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, eighth minute of stoppage time, puts his hands on the shoulder of the forward, goes to the ground. Uh, it's risky, but it didn't come back to bite him. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, okay, the other big decision, obviously, Josh Sargent thought he was uh, pretty good as well. Let's get to our man <laughs> of the match. Who are you picking? Who did I go? Oh, Timothy Weah. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be Timothy Weah again. He's, he's one of your most dangerous players, if not the most dangerous. And listen, I know we just sat here and talked about Christian Pulisic yep. and how he's putting things on his shoulders. shoulders. But Timothy Weah is the one guy when he's on the field, if I'm a defender, I'm always just like, where is this guy? Yeah. Where is he? Like, is he running next to me? Is he, is he trying to get in behind me? Does he have the ball? Is he going to touch it long? Is he going to cut it back? Is he going to try to dance on it? Like, what's going on? He's the one that makes me nervous if I'm a defender. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. I think he's been brilliant. And I don't know. You know how much I like Brendan Aronson. Yeah. I like Gio Reyna. If it's at the expense of getting Timothy Way off the field, I'm not about it. You can't move him, right? No. Greg Berhalter doesn't have that option. Can Unplayable I, at the moment. Can I, can I point this out? And maybe you maybe you disagree. I think a big part of Tim Weah's success is the partnership with Sergio Dest because every time you look up, the U.S. is bombing down that Can right side. Can I ask side. you a question? Yo. Were you worried about Sergio coming into this? Yes, but not because of what he could do in the attack, because of defense. the World Cup. Yeah, defensively, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And he's been great. And yeah. I agree with you. I think that partnership. Has but been I feel balanced. like we haven't seen him put in those no, positions no, 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 to no. defend. I mean, no, maybe he, that's but he's been setup. really good. I, I don't yeah. recall seeing Sergio this disciplined. He's been great. Yeah. I mean, for me, the man of the match has to be Christian Pulisic. Um, it's and it is, of course, down to the goal. But again, I go back to the first half. This guy was buzzing right from jump. He was very, very clearly signaling to the rest of the team, hey. If anybody else out here is nervous, if anybody else out here is wondering who's going to be the guy, who is going to be him, uh, as they say now on social media, Christian Pulisic put his hand up. Before the goal, he was fearless. He was running at this Iranian defense. And I don't think they had a lot of answers for him, Herc. We, we've seen him give other teams troubles in fits throughout this tournament, but it was it was almost like, to your point about Wea, every time he touched the ball in this game, you, you were on the edge of your seat. Something was going to happen. I enjoyed watching Iran play this tournament. They play with tremendous heart. They've got a few players, Tehrami, uh, tremendous skill, especially the way they attack you in transition. Very special players. But this would have been a different game if Christian Pulisic was available in the second half. If he was at optimal level, I really think they would have put this away sooner. Um, all right, so here's a look at Christian Pulisic's heat map there. My choice for man of the match. Can I give another shout out here? Josh Sargent, because that was the other big decision, right? Yeah, man. And I, it's the first time in a long time that I've seen a, a US 9 sergeant or anybody else and thought they played well. They did the job. I hate when people say he put in a shift because that makes <laughs> it sound like yeah. he just worked. But my man was yeah. great in his shift. Uh, he is deceivingly fast. He is strong. He's got very good technical ability, and he combines so well. He's just a very smart nine. He's, my, he's, he's the most talented nine. Yep. Let's hope he's healthy. A Kind of a fluke injury there. Uh, yeah. in the second half. That but the United States good. then one nothing winners over Iran at Al-Dumama Stadium where things just wrapped up and we're standing right now live somewhere in the parking lot is Alexis Nunes. She joins us here on Football Americas. Now Alexis, I'm going to pull the curtain a little bit back on the show, right? Because here, while we're in Qatar, and really all the time, we're on WhatsApp, right? We're right. always talking on WhatsApp. Alexis sends me a note before the yeah. game even starts. The noise here is unreal la, 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 with like seven L's. So uh, tell us, Alexis, what was it like? Yeah, guys, honestly, I'm going to say that was probably the best atmosphere of a game that I, Alexis, have been to so far at this World Cup. I'm saying that, you know, it could provide some competition to uh, Mexico-Argentina. Now, I'm standing beside one of our ESPN Mexico colleagues, so I'm not going to say that too loud because I know she'll come after me. But honestly, we were outside just trying to get some images of the fans and whatnot, and I just heard a massive roar from inside. Fans were not hanging about. I think they knew the gravity of the situation for both sides. 
sides. We knew some of the controversy, I suppose, and tension that was going on in social media before, and we know the political divides, I suppose, between the Western world and what happens in Iran, and we were wondering if it was going to affect how the fans interacted with each other, and there was none of that. I think Sebi can show you that I sent him a video of two Iranian fans with a U.S. fan in the middle, holding each other by the shoulders and just chanting USA, the other one chanting Iran, and it was just really a very good atmosphere, and as soon as I walked in, I just thought, wow, this is absolutely deafening. All the Iranian fans, I must say, did outnumber the U.S. fans, naturally. I would say probably 70 to 30 percent. They brought their Vuvuzelas. I mean, big up to whoever invented the Vuvuzela because my ears are still ringing, and they were just <laughs> slamming on the chairs. They were stamping on the chairs as well, shouting Iran, and then the USA brought the drums, and they were singing USA, USA, and when the players came out for the national anthems, it even got louder. I caught a couple of American fans crying at the anthem. It was wonderful to see. And what was even more wonderful to see, too, is the Iranian fans, because I don't know if you remember, I was there at the England-Iran match, and they were actually booing their own anthem. The players decided not to sing the lyrics of their anthem as a way of protesting some of the atrocities that we have been seeing and the political tension that we have been seeing going on in their country. But this time, they actually clapped when their anthem played. The U.S. fans actually clapped them as well. I think everybody realized that those 22 players on the pitch needed positive vibes for both their countries because this was a do-or-die situation. And I mean, that first half was absolutely electric. My thighs feel like I've been doing squats all night because I was sitting and standing and sitting and standing every time the U.S. was on. <laughs> On the ball they were going after it I'm telling you I thank you for that guys because I think I definitely may have some footballer thighs now but such was the excitement such was just really <laughs> just the entire atmosphere was unbelievable then came the second half and let me tell you I think the US fans a lot of them watched that second half with their backs turned they were sitting down they were just trying to catch their breath and Iran was just willing their players on because they were definitely flirting with getting that goal they knew they only needed that draw to go through and those last couple of minutes let me tell you I don't think anyone took a breath in those last couple of minutes especially with Matt Turner when he came up to make that save nobody could even cheer it was as if you know their breaths and their words failed them and at the end the final whistle you'd want to think that everyone was you know cheering but really as the players did they all fell to the floor exhausted relieved the fans were holding their heads and looking around at each other just wondering how have we just survived that so overall unbelievable atmosphere and definitely some very happy U.S. fans that they're getting through. Alexis, let me talk to you about that tension you felt. What was that tension like? Was it nervous? Did it, once the game started, did it die down? Because uh, we've heard reports that a lot of these players have had their families threatened in Iran. Uh, just the overall emotion going on from the field transmitted to this, transmitted into the stands. Yeah, you know, like I said, it was tense the entire game. It was absolutely tense the entire game. The first half at where we were sat, it was a beautiful mix of both Iran fans as well as U.S. fans, and they interacted perfectly with one another. They kind of kept each other um, smart and on their toes because the minute anybody dared to chant their country's name, everyone else joined in to kind of counteract the chants. And the players, we were quite close. We were probably only about three to four rows from the pitch, and any time that the players came, they were screaming at them, but saying positive things, I mean, and for the, of course, for the U.S. fans, that's the ones I can understand. You know, Yunus Musa came um, close at one point to get a drink of water and people started wishing him happy birthday. He turns 20 years old today. It's amazing what you know that what he's doing and that probably is a great birthday present that he and the rest of the team have given him to go through to the round of 16. But very tense atmosphere. I think definitely the U.S. were able to celebrate more of the first half, got to speak to a couple of fans. And like I said, it's more relief than pure joy and celebration. They're still lamenting the fact that mm. it was only the one goal, you know. They thought that this was a perfect chance to really go after it. Yes, we know how good and organized and compact Iran can be at the back. They're actually quite taller than a lot of people expected. The fact that Christian Pulisic had to put his body on the line to get that one goal. But there were so many chances and everyone was lamenting that it wasn't maybe a 2-0 or a 3-0 win to let them breathe. Because as we know, in a knockout game, which this really was, a one-goal cushion isn't really a cushion at all. So I would say the fans here more relieved than celebratory, but right now they definitely are feeling happy.
Alexis Nunes, as always, brilliant stuff. Great to have you with us here on Football America. She is our reporter on the scene here at the World Cup. Uh, we will surely have you back here on the show, maybe even as early as tomorrow for uh, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. We'll have to uh, dive into her schedule, see if we can make that happen. All right, so uh, sounds like it was a pretty... I don't even know if I would say neutral, like hostile environment for this U.S. team, which I think to your earlier point about seeing this team mature kind of before our eyes, that, that puts this you know, even on a higher pedestal for me. It's not just that they beat a good team in a must-win game. They kind of did it on the road. And what have we said about this team? I think their they last don't win on the road. No, their last September, ten. I believe their last ten games away from home, zero wins. This is this is huge. This is another step, a big one. I'm glad you called it a step because mm -hmm. I think this is what it is. Listen. Everybody's excited that this U.S. men's national team got out of the group. Um, you can say it was an expectation, but did you expect this to happen leading into the World Cup? I would say most probably say no. Really? Yeah, I think most Looking would at have that group, you didn't think you're better than Wales? You didn't think you're better than Iran? Did you Iran? think you were going to tie England? No, I think you thought England was the one team that would be better than you, and you thought Wales and Iran were very accessible. No? All right, and what happened with Wales? Well, you should have won. Oh, should have doesn't get you anything. No, but we're so talking what about I, what the expectations right, were before the tournament. Right. It's a very, it was a very difficult team proved to be for you. So I don't think anybody really came in here saying they're going to get out. Okay. Okay? It was should, we hope they get out. Hope are two different things. But nobody's saying, like, this is the group they get out of. Mm -hmm. You look at Mexico, a lot of people were saying that's the group you get out of. Right? Just, I'm just saying. Before no, the U.S. had a much harder group. All right. Right? So I, okay. But what I'm trying to tell you is Same. heading into the tournament, there's a train of thought. In that train of thought would not have been the U.S. men's national team playing this way, getting out this way, where you feel good about their right. performance, and you can feel good about maybe what's to come. That, to me, that step, that progression is very important for this group. Uh, just to Alexis's point about kind of the tension, you may have heard a lot about it in the buildup. There may have been some in the stands. I think the players... You didn't really see it from them. Like, after every harsh challenge, guys were picking each other up from yeah. both sides. There seemed no. to be almost an extra element of sportsmanship going on, which I think is probably a great yeah. example Absolutely. to us all. Uh, so that was the game that we had a very close eye on in Group B. Of course, happening simultaneously, we had Wales against England. Wales entering on one point, England, of course, uh, on four. This one was scoreless at the half, but early in the second half, England explodes with two goals uh, in two minutes. In the 50th minute, it was Marcus Rashford from a free kick to make it 1-0. And then in the 51st minute, Phil Foden, yes, finally, My finally Gareth exists. Southgate uh, gets the goal off a beautiful assist from Harry Kane to make it 2-0. And then in the 68th minute, it was Rashford again to make it 3-0. Uh, Rashford getting his brace then as the three Lions uh, get three points. They finish Group B play with seven points and a fairly easy victory over Gareth Bale and Wales. And there we see the final Group B standings. England first, U.S. second, Iran third, Wales last. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For more on this game, great to welcome in to Football Americas. None other than Casey Keller. We mentioned it's Eunice Moose's birthday today. It is also Casey hey! Keller's 39th birthday. Casey, congratulations. Wait, wait, what a moment. What a moment. He's not 39. Stop it. Hey, he is. Is he really? Yeah. No. Eternally I, 39. I still uh, have all right, Casey, more the U.S. are through. There it is. There it is. There it is. Uh, Casey, the U.S. are through. They advance. Uh, what do you make of the fact that the Americans not only get out of the group, but generally the performance tonight against Iran? 
Well, I mean, this is what I think we've we've seen from this team, particularly in this World Cup, is there's obviously some limitations up front. Um, but they have been really, really solid defensively. And, and when you keep yourself in games and you give yourself opportunities to keep clean sheets, you have a chance of picking up points. And, and okay, look, the England game, you know, I, I was obviously listening to you guys before this. You know, I had a clear scenario where a draw against Wales, a one nothing loss against England, and beating Iran gets you through. Okay, they did that little bit better. They drew against England, but in the same, but the same result needed to take place in that final match. Uh, and, and what you saw was a team for, again, very similar to the Wales game, far more comfortable in the first half. Definitely after they got the goal, super disappointed with the razor thin decision uh, for the second goal right before halftime, just being offside. Because uh, that would have really, I think, eased a lot of pressure. But, all right, didn't go the team's way. But then the second half is Iran started to come out of their shell more, knowing they needed a point. I was definitely a little bit disappointed with, with some of the way that the U.S. retreated, uh, the way that they gifted possession to Iran, allowed that pressure to soak up. And, look, you guys know me well. You know I'm pretty mild-mannered until I'm not. And... If a penalty had been conceded <laughs> after Haji Wright didn't go to the corner flag, neither of us would have been playing the next game if there would have been a next game because, to me, that, that's, <laughs> that's a ticket home. I mean, that was about as criminal as criminal gets. Mm. And you just can't afford to be that naive in these situations. Uh, and I, I hope he learns from it because that could have been devastating. Mm. Yeah, uh, you spoke about that one. Haji Wright, I believe, is a left-footed shot that kind of trinkles to the goalkeeper, and, and that's where that almost penalty uh, call comes from. I agree with Casey to an extent about the nervous times, um, but you can only play at that intensity for so long. Mm. I think it's the one thing this U.S. Men's National Team has to learn is to manage the rhythm of the tempo of the game because they play at such a high intensity, it's almost impossible. I I'm really surprised Weston McKinney has gone as long as he has, like he has, carrying a knock, fitness issues at that intensity, uh, and sooner rather than later, you're going to die down. So you need to figure out different ways to affect the game. Casey, who is your most valuable player of the group phase for this American team? I think you... <coughs> Sorry, guys. I think you look at... Um... I think you look at that midfield duel, duo of, of McKinney and Adams. You needed both of them to, you know, really play to their abilities. And I think we've seen that. We've seen them be a, a really a tremendous, um, you know, block in front of that back four and then black back five at the end, um, even though McKinney had already come out. Um, I've expected a little bit more from Musa that hasn't quite developed yet, which is which is fine. Young player, obviously, but uh, but I think those two have really stepped up when they've needed him to. You know, I've been critical of of McKinney at times that he that for the national team maybe he tried to play above himself, and I think in this tournament he's he's really playing to his skill set and and being the leader that they need. Uh, Tyler Adams, again, has been, you know, very, very solid, not trying to play over his ability, knows what his, knows what his strengths are, knows what his weaknesses are, and, and plays into it. Uh, I mean, I, I was listening to you guys, you know, just unbelievably praise Weah. And, yeah, of course, Weah's had a very, very good tournament, but I love how you missed, like, the three times uh, unpressurized he just dribbled out of bounds. Um, I know how that just kind of went by the wayside there, Herc, being an attacking player, that that kind of stuff just doesn't matter. Um, you know, us goalkeepers, when we, oh, we just dribble here. out of bounds, it gets very, focused very high a little bit more. Of Weah, yeah. Well, you're... I like you're that. Welcome. Uh, you're you're you know, the son were, of ahead, a Casey. legend. I mean... I expect more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little unfair. Who's your MVP? Who's your MVP, Herc? My, well, let me piggyback off of uh, Case talking about the duo in the center of the midfield. If I had to pick a duo in the center of midfield, I wouldn't have gone Weston and Tyler. I would have gone 
Weya and Tyler. I mean, Weya? I'm sorry, Eunice. Musa. Eunice yeah. Musa and Tyler Adams. Eunice Musa, and I agree with Casey, he's not shown us that ability to drive like he's normally shown us. Uh, but he's showing but, us something else. But he's showing us earlier. something else, a different layer. I think he's been – I thought he's been brilliant, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, more so than Weston. Weston's actually worried me a bit this tournament. He's not fit, so I'm not going to hold it against him. But if I had a big two in that midfield, yes. Uh, and, and to Casey's point about being the son of the legend, that – that, to me, is one of those things, like, I'm not going to judge him for who his father is. I want to judge him for his own story, you know? Because <laughs> I can't. I mean, George Way is one of the best. I got a list of about four names here for MVP, right, of the group phase. I think you could easily give it to Christian Pulisic. Got a goal and an assist. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Adams, I think you got to throw in there. Tim Way has done really well. And the other guy that's on this list Say for me is, is Tim Ream. Yep, Tim Ream. Is Tim Ream. And that's a little it. bit of a shot at you, yep. but also just... No, but I agree with yeah, it. I yeah. agree with it. I think you could, you could make the case for any of those four guys, and it wouldn't be a bad shout. What could be some very bad news, Casey, we're just getting this now, uh, from U.S. Soccer Federation sources. Apparently, Christian Pulisic has suffered an abdominal injury, and he's been sent to the hospital for further tests. Uh, if he can't go against Netherlands, and let's hope that that's not the case, but if he can't, Casey, how big a worry is that for this American team? Well, I mean, you just mentioned it. You just mentioned that, you know, he's got your goal and assist. You know, he's been the, the person that's really provided that, uh, that goal that we know aren't going to be prolific in this side. I, you know, the, the U.S. is not going to beat Holland 4-2, let's just say. I mean, I'd love them to. Don't get me wrong. I hope it happens. But it just doesn't look like that's who they are in their DNA. But you have the one guy that has proven uh, that he can break down a defense. He can get on the end of something like he did today. So, yeah, it'll be a huge loss. Look, I think if you're looking at any position that the U.S. has depth in, it's probably that attacking outside role. So easily Gio Reyna could fit in that role. Aronson could fit in that role. You're not going to – they don't give you like for like what Pulisic can give you. Um, but it, but it definitely is is a less of a drop off than other positions. So uh, we hope it's just precautionary. Go in, get a scan, make sure it's not something uh, serious. But um, and we obviously we all hope them the best. But uh, like I said, if there is one position that the U.S. could could have a little bit of depth in, it's it's in those spots. Can they win without him, Herc? Difficult because of how impactful he's been for the U.S. Men's National Team. Already a goal and assist, right? So you would assume it'd be very difficult because they, they're not a high-scoring team, as Casey just mentioned. And especially against elevated competition. Correct, correct. Case, case, please explain something to me. Please, please. Where's Gio sure. Reyna? Where <laughs> is Gio Reyna? <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I have no clue. I mean, I'm watching some of the, the substitutions, and particularly as Iran gets more and more of the ball, you're thinking, okay, where's that guy that can hold the ball up, skate past two or three defenders, um, keep possession down in the corner, win a throw in, do stuff like that? Then, I mean, that's that's clearly one of Gio Reyna's biggest strengths. And uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, we obviously knew there was a bunch of you know craziness that happened after the first game. I, I, I hope there wasn't. Uh, a, a locker room situation or, or, or something like that because it is probably the most confounding thing with the success of the team so far in this World Cup is that Gio Reyna has only played seven minutes of that. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. But, you know, look, coaches make difficult decisions all the time. And, and decisions in the end depend then on how you're looked at as a coach if – your decisions are successful. Well, the goal for Greg Berhalter was to get out of the first round, see who the next opponent was going to be, have a good performance, and go from there. And he's accomplished exactly what he came in to accomplish, you know, regardless that a lot of us, or let's just say most of us, are scratching our head why Gio Reyna hasn't had more game time. Mm. Gio Reyna. Brendan Aronson, the fans are screaming for both of them. If Christian Pulisic out, at least to Casey's point, that's probably the spot on this team where you've got the most depth, and you then very are likely to see probably an Aronson in the starting lineup, and then Reyna would move up as one of those next guys um, off the bench. Casey, you mentioned Greg Berhalter getting the job done. There's a big discussion about whether he's the coach to take this team to 2026. Now that he's gotten them, 
out of the group phase and into the round of 16 and playing the way that they did over these three games? Has he done enough for you to get those next four years for the 2026 World Cup that we know will be held primarily in the United States? Well, it's really difficult to achieve your goal and then not say you're the right guy. Um, that seems a bit harsh. But, but there's also a, a thought process of how difficult it is to repeat um, the task at hand. Very, very few managers have been successful in staying at the job for the kind of for the second go round. And the question mark will be, you know, I know, uh, you know, you guys know Greg and I are good friends. And, you know, Greg and I had some discussions, you know, when he took the national team job about, you know, the difficulties of not being on the training ground every day. You know, Greg's a young guy, you know, he's a guy, you know, no, that's why you normally see coaches, you know, later in their careers become national team managers because they're done being on the pitch every day. And they want to then have a little bit of a more time away and then focus on, you know, 10 days in the camp or whatever else. And so I'll be really interested to see what direction Greg goes. I mean, clearly he deserves uh, to go another four years if he wants it. But I'll be interested to see if there's options for him at club level and, and he elects to, to go in a different direction. You're, you're, you trying to, you're trying to tell me it's Greg Berhalter's decision here? Like Greg Berhalter maybe the one to walk away, Case? Yeah, why not? What, I mean, look at look at what... what uh, how many times have you seen a coach be successful at a World Cup and then go get themselves a big club job? Uh, happens all the time. And particularly for a young coach, not a coach that's, you know, uh, like, let, let's take Kirosh, for example, who's been there, done that for 30, 40 years, and is probably thinking, do I really need to go back in the day-to-day -day grind of, of coaching and the pressure and all that? Um, look, you know, Greg's young. You know, I'm sure Greg wants to have yeah. another shot at potentially going back to Europe. Uh, and, you know, you're looking at, I'm sure he's looking at Jesse Marsh's situation and going, I wouldn't mind myself a little Premier League action. But, uh, again, I'm not putting any words in Greg's mouth. I, I have no inside information. This is, just, uh, this is just an old friend talking about, you know, my friend who I know is super intense and, and right, loves right, right. being on the pitch with players every day. All right, to Case's credit, uh, Bruce Arena, 2002. And then 2006, he's gone. Bruce, uh, I'm sorry, Bob Bradley, 2010, 2011, he was gone. And then Jurgen Klinsmann, 2014, next cycle, he's gone. So it's very difficult. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. But there's other countries that have done it to great success. Sure. I think you throw Uruguay out there, you throw Spain. So, of course, we know the U.S. will be facing off against Netherlands in the round of 16. They come out of Group A. Let's get you caught up on the Group A action, which also wrapped up today. We will start with Netherlands against Qatar, which finished 2-0. Of course, Qatar already eliminated from the tournament. Netherlands goals came from Cody Gakpo in the 26th minute, his third of the tournament, and then Frankie de Jong scored just after halftime in the 49th minute for the second Dutch goal. Qatar concludes their World Cup with the worst record of any host nation in tournament history as the Dutch uh, end with seven points and on top of Group A. Now the other game in Group A happening at the same time, Ecuador against Senegal. This was effectively winner takes all for second place. Uh, Senegal came in on three points, Ecuador on four. So Senegal struck first from the penalty spot. Ismail Assar in the 44th minute gave them the lead. Then Ecuador, who of course only needed a tie to advance, they got their equalizer in the 67th from Moises Caicedo to make it 1-1. Three minutes after that, Khalidou Koulibaly made it 2-1 for Senegal. Senegal would hold on for the three points at Khalifa International Stadium. They finished second in the group. And here's what Group A looks like when it's all said and done. Netherlands first, Senegal second. Ecuador third, and again, Qatar in last place. All right, Casey, we know the round of 16 matchup. It's the United States against Netherlands on Saturday. What do you think of it? Well, this is probably the best Netherlands side the U.S. would ever want to play in a round of 16 at a World Cup. Um, you, when you when you watch them play, you're 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 waiting for the superstar names of the past, and they're just they're not there. Um, 
it's a good team. It's a well-coached team. But it's not a team that, that, that really frightens you like, like Dutch teams of the past. So I'm excited. I'm excited that the U.S. can match up well against this team. Obviously, we're going to have to have a, again, like we've talked about after each match, you know, reassess who's got the injuries. Obviously, the Pulisic thing. Sargent took a pretty good hit there at the end. You never know how everybody else has come out as well at, at this stage. But, um, yeah, I like the matchup here. Uh, I don't I don't think it's a world beating Dutch side that have been in World Cups in the past. To Casey's point about the talent, uh, it's Vincent Janssen that's coming on and actually that started the first game for this Dutch team. They are not the team, Herc, that made it to the final in 2014. No, they're not the team. And if you look at the first game against Senegal, it was actually Mendy, the goalkeeper, with yep. two big airs that, that cost them the game. If not, Senegal's in that game or it should be a 0-0 tie. And then you look at the second game versus Senegal. Senegal outplayed them out of the park. Yeah. Like, out of the stadium. I'm sorry, excuse me. Ecuador was just a better team against uh, the Netherlands. Uh, yeah. Two defensive errors led to two Netherland goals. Uh, but they were just a better team. So I'm looking at how Casey said how they match up. And if you were to choose a Netherlands side over the years, you would choose this side. Yeah, we saw them in the last European Championships. They go out in the round of 16 against Czech Republic. Uh, and like the U.S., they are a pot two team here at the World Cup. We know Qatar was the pot one team that yeah. got kind of the head of the group. Uh, so Netherlands is not what you'd usually see, one of those top eight teams in the world uh, being kind of the, the A-lister in the group. There he is, Casey Keller. Uh, again, happy birthday. Glad My you're man. still in your 30s. Uh, forever young, Casey Keller. I'll <laughs> see you in a what, couple hours on ESPN FC right here on ESPN+. Plus. There he goes. What a ledge. What a privilege to have uh, Casey with us here on Football Americas as the uh, U.S. is on to the round of 16 for, how about this, the third time in the last four World Cups. Of course, the lone exception back in 2018 as we take a look at some of the stats ahead of the matchup against the Dutch. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, turn our attention to Mexico, who had what perhaps will be their final oh, training session do of this, this World We don't know. I said perhaps. Oh, he's uh, ahead there of the he is, group phase finale against Saudi Arabia. There's some good news that came out of today. Andres Guardado is match fit. There were, of course, doubts about that after he suffered an injury against Argentina. Guardado, one of the members of the Mexican squad that spoke to the media today, here's what he had to say. Lo del gol es algo para vender nada más, ¿no? A lo mejor se hubieran metido un gol y perder 7-1, ya han gritado ese gol, ya cambia lo que te, te, te contestaron, ¿no? Al final lo del gol no es eso, es ganar. Puedes meter 5 o 6 goles, pero si no ganas, da igual los goles que metas, hay que ganar. El tema de los goles es algo que obviamente que, que nos preocupa porque necesitas goles para ganar, pero nos, nos preocupa más o nos ocupa más el, el ver cómo lo conseguimos, que eso sí es verdad que, que nos está faltando, ¿no? El, el, las opciones, las, crear ocasiones de gol y todo este tipo de cosas. So what will it take for Mexico? to get through. Let's go all the way down to the bottom. You see it there, that clinch a berth in the round of 16 with a win against Saudi Arabia and an Argentina loss versus Poland. A four-goal win would guarantee Mexico a spot uh, in the round of 16. There you go. So some news that came out of today, but we had some really big news that came out of last night. Ibran Araige 
who works for Tudene, usually very well plugged in with what's going on at the Mexican Federation, is reporting that no matter what happens against Saudi Arabia, or indeed in the rest of this tournament, Tata Martino will not continue as manager of the Mexican national team. Martino was at the podium today. Let's listen in to the words of the Mexican manager. No hay necesidad de excusas. Nosotros claramente tenemos un partido con la necesidad de ganarlo. La verdad que si hay algo que justamente este grupo, y hablo de todo el grupo, nunca puso es excusa. A veces nos toca describir las realidades. Eh, cuando uno dice jugamos bien 60 minutos es porque jugamos bien 60 minutos. No, no, no ponemos una excusa, describimos una situación. Y lo que nosotros tenemos que hacer es la, eh, utilizar la posibilidad que nos brinda la Copa del Mundo de, este, de llegar al tercer partido con vida, eh, sabiendo que si tenemos la posibilidad de ganar nuestro partido, eh, los resultados de Polonia y Argentina este, lo podemos aprovechar. Así que, eh, a diferencia de otras elecciones que lamentablemente no han podido llegar con posibilidades al tercer partido, nosotros tenemos las nuestras. All right, so there you have the words of Tata Martino. What do you think about the report from Araje and maybe how it might impact Mexico's performance against Saudi Arabia? Does it play a role that now it's out there that Tata Martino will not return no matter what? Like a swan song for the coach? Because oh, you, you saw it as a potential positive that they would want to send him out with a win. I thought as a, well, as a negative because well, everybody's kind of just... No, I'm thinking about these players. Like, think about these players. What was one of the biggest critics or... Things we criticized Tata Martino for during his tenure. What? Specifically, he stayed with the everything same players. for me, but, yeah. He stayed with the same players. He never refreshed the squad, looked elsewhere in Liga MX. And I could sit here and say, you know, Rocha. I could sit here and say Vigón. I could sit here and name these players. And you're like, oh, they're, they're not good right now. They were at some point, and they never got looked at. And that would have maybe pushed somebody else out or forced somebody else to up their level. He stuck with these players. Gallardo, when he was a bench player at Monterrey. Mm. Aguirre who was also with the national team, was playing over him at Monterrey. Moreno not starting at Monterrey. He stuck with these players. So if I'm these players, I feel indebted to him. Mm. A lot of these players, the majority of these players, Funes Mori, Henry Martin, when he wasn't scoring goals, he stuck with them, all these players. So, swan song. Let's do it for... Tata Martino because I he mean, stayed with us. I mean, if that's what's going to finally motivate you to show up at a World Cup, you. that's pretty pathetic. Isn't it? For a manager... Not for your country, not for yourself, not for your family, for a manager. I'm sorry, Brazil. <laughs> Point aside. Point aside. Can I tell you something else from Gibran Araiz's report that I think will have Orlando a much bigger here. impact on well, tomorrow? Well, yes. He described the training session. He said the players were head down and the group was fractured. I think this team is gone. And I don't know what so motivation they may take reports, from Tata Martino. I don't believe There have been reports of a players only meeting. Make an impact. Okay. Huh. Too little too late. Too little too late. Maybe. And I know, I know you're feeling down and out right now, but the reality is Argentina is not good at the moment, and if they lose to Poland, you just need to win. That's a reality. So you could be down and out now, and you spoke about it with the U.S. men's national team, how fine the line between yeah, success yeah. and failure is. It could be the same thing for this Mexican national team. Whether you think it's deserved or not, that's out the window. Whether you want to face France or not, that's another question. But it's a reality, Seb. Yeah. If they beat Saudi Arabia and sneak through, I still don't know that I'm ready to call this tournament a success. Whereas with the United States, when they get through, it's free. Blanket success. Blanket success. I told you, I don't care what happens tomorrow. Tata Martino should not be here in this World Cup with the Mexican national team. All right, well, we don't know what Tata Martino's 11 is going to be, but I've cooked up my 11. My desperation. Go for it all. Throw the kitchen sink at them 11, because we know that not only does Mexico have to win, they got to win probably by many, many, many goals and hope for some help. So I'm mixing things up. I'm going all attack, even from the back. Artiaga and Kevin Alvarez, I think, are the two players that give you the most projection forward. I want that from my outside backs. In center defense, I'm pairing Araujo with Montes. Montes, for me, has been one of the few bright spots in this tournament for Mexico. I'm not touching him. The midfield, Luis Chavez, who I was not always that high on. You were high on. I'll give you credit there. He is a lock. From the jump. Lock. Absolutely can't take him out of the lineup. Edson Alvarez. I hope everybody learned their lesson last time <laughs> about moving Edson out of the lineup. Achi Achi. I, I see what he brings here. I've not been high on his performance, but especially in a game where we know Saudi Arabia likes to play that high line. 
I like Achacha there to put those balls in behind. What have I done up top? Forget the nines. It's a little bit like the United States. The strength of this team is not in the number nine position, so let's not throw somebody on there that may not help us all that much. And especially considering how Saudi Arabia play, again, that high line, I want as much speed as humanly possible. So, Alexis Vega out on the left. Uriel Antuna, the one semi-burner you've got in this pool out on the right. I guess Alvarado too, but Antuna, I, I rate much higher than him right now. And I'm gonna play Chucky Lozano through the middle. Desperate times. Desperate measures, Herc. What do you think of this 11? I don't like Herrera in the center of the midfield for this game. Really? Uh, well, yeah, because he's, this is going to be his third game under his belt, and okay. I don't know how he's going to do. And also, I, I really like Orbelín Pineda. Really? really I've seen like that floated out there. I as, really as like potential. what Orbelín Pineda can do for you on both sides of the ball. Antuna, I understand. My only worry about playing that formation, mm -hmm. that, I mean, it looks, it's sexy. Honestly, yeah. it looks like a Thank sexy you. formation. Yes. My only worry is Renard, the Saudi Arabia coach, yes. is a specialist. He's a specialist. He's not out here to win the World Cup. He's out here to do something special, and he's already done with Saudi Arabia. And what he did is he played football in a 20-meter space because he thought they weren't fast enough to beat him, and that ended up being the case. I think he's going to take away those spaces with Mexico. He's not going to play the same way he did against Argentina. I think he's going to take away that space, and that worries me. So if you don't have that space, having an Antuna out there is going to be very hard, very difficult. If you don't have the room to operate in the midfield, having an Herrera who's less than optimal physical form is going to be very difficult. Um, and Kevin Alvarez, I will say this about Kevin Alvarez. I see the intent going forward, but he looked terrified versus Argentina. Mm. You cannot be terrified if you're going to be out there. If that's the case, put Sanchez in. Yeah, can I be, I'm not down on Jorge Sanchez. I think he's a really good player, and I actually don't think he's that problematic going forward either. Right. I think he can you know, contribute something in that. I, that, to me, was, was kind of 50-50. Either way you go, I just think I, I've seen more of Alvarez being aggressive and attacking. Maybe that's because of the level and the team that he plays at. Pachuca, yes, um, yes, you know, yes. you see him with Pachuca and you see him doing it at Liga MX. We don't see it as much. We see Jorge Sanchez a lot of times, especially when we watch him in Champions League, doing more defensive work and, and it hasn't always Listen, gone smoothly. I, I love Artiaga on the left. Listen, yeah. you're doing what the majority of fans want yeah. that to do. Uh, I love the Orbelin Pineda shout. If you told me that while I was putting this together, I might have slipped it in for, for Achi Achi because as I said, I haven't been all that impressed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, time to check the mentions here on Football Americas. Let's see uh, what you guys have cooked up for us. I've got the first one here. After today's game, who do you like the most for center backs against Netherlands? Okay, uh, Reem and Carter Vickers, Reem and Zimmerman. Herc, what are you thinking from our good friend Dairon there? For the Netherlands. Wow, I'd have to think about this, uh, but you got to go with Memphis the Depay, Cody Gakpo seem to have a pretty good uh, you go with the combination hand, up there. Who really matches like, up against I them? I really like what Cameron Carter-Vicker showed me today. Listen, really? I've been eating a lot of humble pie with the center backs. You know, I wasn't high on Tim Ream. I wasn't high on Cameron Carter-Vickers. <sighs> I really thought they did well together. I really thought Cameron Carter-Vickers was a layer of aggression that was needed, physicality, but calmness. He was very good on the ball. Um, he was very attentive, uh, ready to anticipate. I really like them out there, and I'm not moving Tim Ream. You know, there, there's a big, there's a big uh, ramo de rosas that I'm going to send Tim Ream after this tournament to apologize because I, I did not see this coming. Yeah, uh, I got to point this out because it just came across my phone. Christian Pulisic has uh, posted from his Instagram, so uh, blank proud of my guys. I'll be ready for Saturday. Don't worry. Why did he put blank? Well, I, I put thing. blank just to kind of oh. clean it up oh. there. But uh, he's pumping his fist. He's in a hospital bed. Uh, he's got his U.S. shirt on, but he says, Give my man some Pedialyte. I'll Get be back out there. I'll be ready for Saturday. Don't worry. Next uh, tweet here on Check Dimensions. What do you think about the U.S. men's national team's toughness now that they've actually won away from home? This is to Hercules Gomez, who famously called this team soft and then blamed it on their manager, Greg soft Berhalter. Yeah. Add that to it. Um, yeah, I think I addressed it. Yep. Uh, you know. That's, that's a shift. That's a performance. That's character. That's personality. Um, that goes for Greg Berhalter, too. Mm -hmm. you know, Greg Berhalter has been a lot of things during World Cup qualifying and beyond. 
the process of how they hired him, the 13 months not with the team. There was an interim, the time lost. Well, neither of those things over. on him. <laughs> you can take the job, take the job, my man. Yep. So, yes, it is on him, okay? No, I mean, you can't, you can't say that, oh, he didn't work for 13 months, so I'm going to count that against him. I don't care if he's with Columbus Crew. That's, that's not the family. Neither here nor there. Let me, let me get what I want to say out, okay? <laughs> this team has shown me something different, and that includes Greg Berhalter. The personality, the character, the intensity, how they compete. Um, they've not been soft in this World Cup. That is for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's get to our third and final tweet here on Check Dimensions. La última y nos vamos. Let's see. Percentage chance either Costa Rica or Mexico will be the second team through to the round of 16. I, yeah, I do feel like we need the uh, Jim Carrey meme here. So you're telling me there's a chance. I wish we had the SPI uh, to help us with this. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think has a better chance between the two? Let's start there. Costa Rica's already got three points. Yeah, but so does Spain. And Costa Rica, so Japan and, uh, Costa Rica controls their own destiny. Mexico does not. That's a clear distinction between the two. But Japan's playing an already qualified Spain team. Hmm. You see, the, see what I'm saying? There? Yeah. Like, there's no incentive for them. So Spain could rest guys. Yes. Spain, even when they rest guys, still pretty good. And I think we saw Japan maybe come down a notch from what we saw against Germany, well, they, right? They, they made five wholesale changes. Yeah. Disrespect, disrespect, excuse me, Costa Rica, and they're in this position. I, I think of the two... Um, Mexico. Yeah. Because I could see them beating Argent or sorry, I could see them beating Saudi Arabia. 1-0 if you will. Okay. And this Argentine team doesn't it doesn't really make me feel That's what I'm saying. Is you're counting I'm, on Mexico winning and scoring, which they haven't done. And you're also counting Argentina kind of dominating. Well, sure, if Poland were to win, that would help you or Argentina crushing Poland and, and helping the goal difference for you there. So you're you're yeah, you're kind of got more outs. Well, but you just need so much help. And but they've got more outs, whereas yeah. Costa Rica, I mean, you've got the goal differential against you. You're not mathematically out, but you're out pretty much, you know? It's what a matter you, of time. What are you putting it at for Mexico? If I, like 10%? Or is that too much? No, that's not, that's not too much. Is it enough? 17%. 17% chance from Hercules Gomez that uh, Mexico will pull un milagro. Uh, and get out. Fourteen percent chance. The group Chicharito's and number. on to the round. I like it. I like it. I like. I see what you're doing there. I'm not going to say it's a troll move, but I, I do see what you're doing it there. All right, that'll do it for this historic edition of Football Americas. As the United States men's national team punches their ticket in the round of 16, they'll face off against Netherlands on Saturday. And that's right. I don't know if you hear the chance from producer Beto. We're still here. Football America sigue con vida for Hercules Gomez, our crack production team. I'm Sebi Salazar. We'll see you tomorrow here on ESPN Plus for another edition of the show.